Give it a whirl. Now it's acting right. There we go. Connect to Twitter. All right. That's what I was waiting for.
this one chap. Seems like a little blonde here. Blade of Hell, but that's alright. Few hops in the live, it's late as hell, but that's all right. What is going on? Look at my Facebookers. Showing up quick, showing up quick. Yo. East Houston in the house, Indianapolis, what's up? K-Dub, what's up, little bro, he says. Good to see you. What is up? Scummy yummy. <laughs> Kiora, hello from New Zealand. What's up? Good morning. Good to see you guys. It is honestly later than I wanted it to be, but better late than never. As you can see, I went away from Restream and OBS. Um... Namely because OBS just doesn't have the features in the like setup in depth that Streamlabs does. OBS is just really basic and I don't know. I just don't really care for it that much to be honest with you. Um, it's just too basic. I mean, bottom line, you can hardly see the chat box very well, but that's all right. I guess I should have picked some better colors than that, huh? Can I change that? Yeah, text colors. What can I do here? There we go. Maybe red. Maybe red. Enable better TV, blah, blah, blah. Top coin holders. No. Always show messages. Theme, chunky. What about clean? What's clean? What about old school? I don't like that. Boxed. Nah. We'll stick with chunky. High delay. Da, 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 da. That should be good. All right, fam. All right, fam. How's everybody doing? Everybody good? Life good? 
Good to see you guys. It's been a little while. Not too long, but a little while. Lots of good stuff to talk about. From the Caribbean island of Trinidad and Tobago. What is up? Pimping all over the world, bro. That's what's up. Fresno, California, Oshawa, Ontario, Canada. Representing. Is it crazy out here or what, y'all? Has things just been getting crazier and crazier? They haven't really talked about it much at this point. And I don't know if you guys have heard about it or not, but apparently, and uh, obviously this is, I kind of switched my name up. I call it No Cap with Night God, but I, I like to say Night Cap with Night God on my pa- platforms. But my actual podcast is called No Cap with Night God. So if you ever get a chance, head over and check out Spotify for podcasters and and uh, follow my podcast. It'd be awesome, you guys. It'd be really awesome. Um, but yeah, we just... Uh, Y'all know the deal. What time it is, it's for entertainment purposes only, as always. May or may not be true. Provide the information. Let you guys decide. So, recently, apparently, there was a, like, barred or something along those lines that lost or... or that lost big old crates or like totes. And one of these totes was like massive and it's full of methanol. Now, for those of you that don't know, they use that type of stuff in. Um, why all of a sudden is my sound coming on? Where am I picking that up? All bad. Okay. Anyhow, it's a tote that's like stuck on a dam in the Ohio River, right? All right. It's because I'm on a split screen here. Here. Uh, let me do this, guys. The chat box, I'm going to get rid of for now because it just doesn't look any good. I'm just seeing a little bit of complaining going on here because of the way it looks here. Is that a little better, guys? Is that a little better, fam? Uh, Sometimes less is more. I get it. Where is that reverb coming from? Where am I hearing this? Okay. Shut you down. I'm just kind of going through and cleaning up my tabs here, guys. Hold up. 
and I can figure out where that's coming from. I always try to do split screen, but it just never seems to work right. It works, but it just never looks good. It drives me crazy. Just can't stand it. Let's just go center here. And then image. Boom. So it doesn't look like a bunch of different screens behind me here. That's the only cr thing that sucks about both Streamlabs and OBS is transform. Let's say stretch to screen. Is that whole when you like because the easiest way to deal with this guys and the easiest way to do this is a display capture. Whenever I want to play videos or show you guys videos, that's the by far best way to do it. But when I do a display capture, say I remove this image, and this is what you get. You get a bunch of repeat screens. And I don't know why, but it's always a complaint from people watching my lives. It's always a it's just always a complaint that it's like this. Um so I try my best to like cover it up so it isn't so bad, but for some reason, both platforms, OBS, Streamlabs, that's what they do when you go display capture. I don't know. It is what it is. Representing from Detroit, that's what's up. That's what's up. So, so on that tip though, on the flat tip, you guys, I was actually going to bring that up tonight. I was going to talk to you guys about that because, um, I had just seen a video that was very intriguing and this dude was arguing with this like high rank, like this top tier scientist on, you know, all that is globe earth and just all that is earth, you know? Um, and she was obviously the heliocentric model of globe earther. And this guy was just questioning and asking her questions that she just simply couldn't answer. Um, like for example, uh, asking what that I just seen in the comments was, um, if it's flat, then why can Australia see the moon? But, upside down to what they see in Florida. I don't think that's the case though. Okay. I've heard that throughout, it's not just, it's just not random times of the month either. Like the entirety of the month, Australia and Florida can see the moon in the exact same moon. It's not like inverted or upside down or anything like that. It's the same moon. You know what I'm saying? Um, the girl didn't even have a clue that it was true. It's absolutely true. Uh, but based on that, you, based on the globe theory, you're not supposed to be able to see from Australia and Florida. And then one of the ones that intrigued me, this is kind of off what I was going to start with, but uh, it's a good, it's a good topic of discussion always is uh, how, during a, I might get it backwards. A solar eclipse is when the moon blocks the sun, if I'm correct. And then a lunar eclipse 
Either that or I have it backwards. But uh, when there is an eclipse in which the moon blocks the sun, they calculated the size of the shadow cast by the moon when the sun lands perfectly behind it. And it just so happens to be a coincidence, right, that at certain times over spans of years, the moon and sun are perfect distance from each other in which they block each other out. It's just coincidence. Like, it's just random. Like, as if you'd hit a multi-billion, million, trillion dollar lotto over and over again. You know. Uh, But what they said is that whenever something casts a shadow, the shadow is always larger than the object casting it. All right? It's just a fact. It's just always how it goes. The shadow is larger than the object that is casting it. Well, and I can't grasp this. I can't wrap my head around it. Maybe somebody in the comments can help me out. But I can't wrap my head around it. How? But what happens during this eclipse is the moon actually casts a shadow smaller than itself. Which is really a weird anomaly. So I guess it's like just a question of why, right? Like that was a lot of the flat earthers argument was if so and so, then the the shadow being cast should be larger. Therefore, it's not. So it's, you know, but I don't know how you'd explain why it isn't. You know what I'm saying? Yes, yes, I agree, Pride of Judah, yes. And that's also in uh, the Book of Enoch. The Apocrypha, yeah. Yeah, well, it only happens so often. Like, it only happens during the eclipse. And also they claim this as well, uh, that the, the shadow travels, so if it's the moon, so boom, the shadow travels from east to west. not west to east like you would think it would. It travels backwards to what they think it should be traveling, which is another weird anomaly. Because if you think about it, if the, if the, because supposedly the moon stays in the stationary, the sun rises and then moves behind the moon. In that case, the shadow would be cast as the sun was coming in down and the sun would be rotating, so the shadow would be casting from west to east. But for some reason, it doesn't do that. It comes in, the, mu- the sun comes in, and the shadow casts from east to west. 
It's really weird. It's hard to grab, wrap your head around it. But wouldn't that mean that the sun and moon were moving in unison? Yeah. I think that's what that would mean. If the moon was stationary in the sun, then it would start over here and cast this way. But if the sun and the moon were moving in, in somewhat unison, then it, yeah, it would move from east to west. It's really hard to grasp, wrap your head around. But yeah, it's because the right portals and yeah, et cetera, if that's the case, right? If that's the case, um, I try not to be biased one way or the other. I like everybody to get a chance to believe what they want to believe, but look into it because it's wild, right? It's a really wild thing. And I can't quite grasp in what scenario, why would the shadow cast smaller? That one is really, that one really, I, I had to really think about. And I can't quite come up with anything that's like, as to why. It's just really odd. It's really, really odd. All right, so I'll, I'll read this since he, he wrote a novel here. Proles die. The entire earth is hollow, and the only way to get inside is via a 1,400-mile-wide hole in Antarctica. Yeah, the Sims holes. The theory suggests that you could walk over the edge of the hole without even realizing it. Just like an ant walking over the lip of a glass. The ideal of, of hollow earth was first mentioned in 1818 by Sims. Yes, the Sims holes. An American Navy officer. However, it gained traction when apparently the lost diary of Richard Byrd was found. That details his encounter with the underground race whilst trying to build a U.S. research base. At the South Pole, according to his lost diary, he visited the Pentagon to share the news of his new race he had met, but was ordered to keep quiet. As for debunking the Antarctica myth, there really isn't much to debunk. There is no evidence that the lost diary is real, and a giant hole twice the size of Greenland would surely show up on satellite images of Antarctica, wouldn't they? Well, to that I say, uh, have you ever looked at Google Earth? <laughs> uh not to, I'm not trying to mock you or anything, but have you ever seen all of the distortion and, and, and covering of things that take place on Google Earth? Uh, it's a lot, you know, it's a lot. Like, really, even the ocean in, in its entirety on Google Earth, you can see the structures at the bottom, like, roughly, but they could have uh, actual, clear, decent pictures of you know, the ocean and the like on Google Earth, but they cover a lot of that up. Okay, the moon has never moved. Okay, so he said, I've been looking at the moon from Australia, which is cool. We got an Australian here, guys. Uh, mate, I've been looking at the moon from Australia for 51 years. The moon has never, ever moved or changed. Okay. I am a retired, so this is cool. Dude, this is why I love you guys, man. I have the best followers ever. You know what I mean? My chats are always lit. My chats are always lit. This dude says, super unknown, says, I am a retired Air Force pilot, North Chicago base. 
It's flat. The rich are laughing at you. Well, that's, yep. That's a little insight. Now, you know, I don't like to give what I believe, whether one way or the other, but that's a little insight. Hourglass, maybe through the ozone. I saw a video that says there are three suns. Let me find the link. So, y'all, I, I checked this video out. This dude, I can't remember exactly what platform it was on. I want to say, I think it might have been, hold on, let me check out YouTube Shorts. Uh, This dude had clear, and I thought I had saved it. I could have swore, in fact, that I did. Um, Where is it? Ah, is it this? No. Hold on here. No. Hold on, fam. Hold on. I just want to see if I can find this. It's a cool video this dude has. He had posted it of the sun. And it was really intriguing, man. It was like very eye-opening, intriguing uh, video here. Um, right here. I got it. I got it. Hold up. I got it. Yup. All right. Hold on. Hold on. Let me share it here. I want you guys to take a look at this. Check this out. This is actually a really intriguing video here. Uh, At first, the first time I watched it, I was like, what are you showing here, boss? But then it didn't take me long to figure it out. Okay. Looks like it's off Instagram. All right. So I'm going to get it on the screen here. Hold up. Bam. Let me uh, move my display capture to the top here, y'all. Boom. All right. Check this out, y'all. Check this out. And I'm going to expand it. Actually, hold on here. I do like this. Bing. Okay, it's quiet there. This actually does help, though. Actually seeing your live while you're. Okay. Looks like it's going here. You guys can see it. All right. You can see it. Cool. I'm going to expand it real quick. So it's a little bigger. Bring it down here. I should have cropped it and did all that crap, but I just, I had forgot about it. What the hell? Why aren't you expanding for me, sucker? Yeah, either way, you guys can see it. It's not bad. Hold up. It's going to reset. Right here. Y'all seeing this? Very weird. 
Look at that. I wonder how that can be. 93 million miles away and the clouds that walk behind it. And in front of it, in fact. Clouds in front of and clouds behind it. Boy, that's a really strange phenomenon. <laughs> I like his sarcasm. Yeah, that one really got me. I've never seen that. That blew my mind. That blew my mind right there. I was like, no way. Look at that. And y'all, I've never really took the time to actually stare at the sun because what do they tell you? They tell you not to stare at the sun. You hear that growing up your entire life. Your entire life. You hear that growing up. So I've never really sat there and just looked at the sun to see if that does in fact happen. It's like, whoa, that was crazy, though. Crazy. So, yeah, I wanted to get back to that, though. So just a couple, like, kind of current, you know, news going on, right? Uh, with the whole Ohio River thing, the methanol uh, tanker, or the methanol, you know, tote tanker, you know, fell in the river. It's pinned up against the dam in the Ohio River right now and spilling out into it. So if you're from Ohio, watch your water, guys. Beware um, and watch for the news on the subject. It's not hitting the mainstream media. It's staying kind of low-key at the moment. So, um Obviously, once again, I saw this on TikTok. Uh, so I guess, like I said, you guys, one of the best things you can buy, and it sucks because obviously this doesn't cover uh, showers and stuff like that, right? But it's still decent for drinking water. Um, It's a water filtration system. Really nice one. It's a little pricey. You can get them cheaper online. You can get them cheaper on Amazon. I bought the military grade one. Doesn't mean you have to. There's one that's like a hundred bucks. But right here, y'all, for your drinking water. Right here, fam. It's worth it. It's worth it, y'all. It's worth it. And it's never too too late to start slightly preparing. Uh, there's a lot that could go on, you know, if, if the Saudis decide to stop backing our dollar with oil, Lord knows in, in, in who, in God help us if it does, because it could have some serious repercussions. All right. It could have some serious repercussions. Uh, all of a sudden, hyperinflation takes place. You know, groceries end up costing a fortune. Instead of walking out with a full grocery cart, you walk out with a quarter of a grocery cart. People are going to have, uh, you know, hard times surviving. And employers, if this does take place, and hopefully it doesn't happen so radically. I mean, I find it hard to believe as long as the dollar has been such a dominant currency in the world that it could happen overnight, but 
Nevertheless, people are saying it can. So if it does take place where the Saudis actually get out of the backing of the dollar, the I think is that the oil embargo or something? Uh, I can't remember the exact terminology. I think Nixon did it. It's been since Nixon. Yeah. Um, so that's when we move from gold standard to the oil, the dollar running the world type situation. The dollar is actually the dominant currency. That's why I have a hard time believing that it's just going to fall on its face if they, they remove oil from backing it, but you never know. And it's a scary thought because if that takes place, y'all people, when people start to starve, my old man always said this and his dad, uh, his dad always told him this because he was in World War II. My grandfather, he said that society is only three square meals away from total chaos. So just beware and prepare and keep your you know wits about you and just watch. Just pay attention to it. Pay attention to it uh, at the end of the day and be ready. You know, one of, they're saying that one of the most valuable things if the dollar falls flat on its face, one of the most valuable things there will be is ammo and then obviously food and water. But ammo is going to be worth, they say, a fortune if it ever comes down to that. But what I'm seeing is is they set it up to where the dollar falls on its face. Employers will no longer be able to pay their employees. Everybody will be losing so much money There'll be mass layoffs. It'll be like a Great Depression all over again. Then what they're going to do supposedly is introduce all of a sudden the new digital currency, the new uh, digital banking system. And what they'll do is they'll replace all your money or what you had in the bank with a digital currency. And you'll be willing to do it because you'll at the point we'll be at in society we'll be looking for any help or any way to get out of the state that we are going to be in if the dollar falls on its face. So it's supposedly, uh, you know, new world order type thing where they, it's how they're implementing the new digital currency, the new one world currency. You know, let the dollar fall flat on its face. The citizens in the, the population struggle you know, people lose their jobs, people are starving, so then they come out with this new digital currency offer to make everything all right, and we'll be in such dire state that we will take anything at the point we'll be at. So. See, there you go. The dollar is dead. No, no, I agree. Uh, I agree. Don't live in fear, and I'm not trying to fear monger. I'm not trying to fear monger at all. I'm just trying to say, don't be, don't be oblivious to what's going on. You know, just watch it. Uh, just watch it. And then people were saying something about, 
Well, thank you very much, KG Hacks, the top 100. Appreciate you. He said, should I move back to China and live off R&B? What is R&B? I know, gold. I would. That's what I'd like to invest in, really. It sucks because gold, I mean, I could see if it went back to a gold-backed standard that gold could see a rise in price. Gold is a very secure investment. It's just never an investment that grows exponentially. It does grow. It's a secure growth, right? But gold never just, you don't get rich off gold, right? You don't, you don't hit licks off gold, you know? But um, it's secure and it's safe. But I could see possibly if the U.S., if, say, crypto or the digital currency all of a sudden is backed by gold and we go to that standard worldwide, I could see... A, a hike in the price of gold, possibly. Can't eat gold. That's true. That's true. It's really wild to think about, like, why we even put so much value on gold. It's really wild. Um, so, obviously, you all heard, too, about this, um, this uh, Air National Guardsman that worked for IT of I want to say wasn't it was it the Pentagon? I'm not sure. It was high ranking government building government uh, entity that this kid worked for. 21 years old. Uh, he was part of a Discord, and they started talking crap and said Discord and. They were trying to flex. They were trying to like nerd flex on each other. And this kid comes out with, you know, I have access to the most top secret documents uh, within the military. Any any top secret document you can think of, I have access to. And everybody, okay, all right. So the 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 yen, right? The yen. Isn't that the isn't that the Chinese? Or I can't remember. I think I thought I didn't know it was called RMB. Um so he he basically flexes on these kids in this Discord and then he comes back with the next day all of these top secret documents like we're talking documents you guys that pertain to the ukraine war what's going on in ukraine um their next like we're talking like military strategy i mean he's leaked he leaked all kinds of highly classified highly you know top secret documents here and it was all because he wasn't doing it for a purpose. He wasn't an anti-war guy. He wasn't anti, uh, you know, Biden or anything of the like. He was simply trying to flex on kids in a discord. <laughs> He's in big trouble. And it's sad to see this because, you know, truly, I don't think, you know, did he do the wrong thing? Well, obviously, what a moron, you know what I mean? What an absolute, what do they call him? Now the big one is a cuck. That's what they say on, uh, that's the big insult now online, 
if you call somebody a cuck. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm not on the up and up on that lingo, but uh, that's what they were calling this kid for him to flex so hard and show his his top secret documents. So he's looking at life, you guys, in prison for that. Which I uh, do not, I just do not believe that that uh that's of deserving of a life sentence i i understand what he did all right i get it but we're talking about a 21 year old kid here uh end of the day does he deserve to lose the rest of his life for really at the end of the day it's just a bunch of bullshit to me you know did he do something stupid absolutely should he get maybe five years sure but the guy doesn't deserve life, man. That's a little harsh, isn't it? I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. People make mistakes. That's what I'm saying. That's where I'm at with it. That's where I'm at with it. Um. So what's more funny, though, is the National Guard has had a busy week. <laughs> um. The story on National Guard, Air National Guardsman number two, okay? Air National Guardsman, thank you for sharing. I appreciate you. Thank you for sharing the stream. Yeah, like, comment, share, guys. Get it going. I know it's late, but sometimes late lives can actually generate some pretty good uh, traffic. So, um, like, comment, share, interact. I love it. I appreciate it. So very much. Donate if you can. Uh, any any donations, obviously, I'll read your comment uh, out loud. And keep an eye out on my website, you guys, because the merch that I, I'm, I've been, I know I've been saying it. I know I've been saying it. But we had to work out. It's been uh, taxing on uh, my girl, because it's a lot of work. There's a lot involved, especially there's just so many t-shirt companies. There's just so much going on connecting Wix to Printify and then using Printify for this shirt and then Spreadshirt for fitted caps. And, you know, it's it's a lot. And then she's doing all that and going to Shopify. And Shopify is not an easy platform or uh, storefront to establish and make. It's just really not. So, um, it's been a long road to hoe, okay, to get to where we are. Um, but the variety is going to be here, guys. She's got some awesome, like, neon color alien shirts coming. Um, all kinds of ET shirts. Uh, we got, you know, Aunt Cross, uh, Egyptian style shirts, Tree of Life, uh, Viking style, all kinds of stuff coming. And it's going to be a plethora of colors. It's not going to be just a dark, somber, you know, night God-esque type, you know, dark theme. It's going to be a vibrant, all kinds of different tastes are going to be satisfied. So keep your eye out on the merch, guys. It's about to be lit. Where'd my YouTube chat go? They must still be here because I got 283 viewers. Heaven might be a parallel universe. 
You are welcome, sir. You guys are still here. Okay, good. Just wanted to make sure. It's weird on this on the multi-stream chat. It'll go like a bunch of YouTube chats and then a bunch of Facebook and a bunch of YouTube, a bunch of Facebook. Yeah, like 10 years max. Absolutely. Dude, the second guy is straight up nuts, dude. Right? The other Air, Air National Guardsman, number two. So, you know, here's the other thing on that. On that, on that same, same note, though, yeah, that guy is nuts, okay? Yeah, I, I would say that that's pretty whack and crazy of him to do, all right? You got to have some common sense, bro, like for real. Um, but to that note, to me, to me, it's, to me, shame on that website. You know what I mean? Did he make a mistake? Yeah, he did. But ultimately, shame on that website for making a mockery or or a satire page full of what seemed to be to somebody who wasn't on the up and up that it was satire, a hit page that hires hitmen. And then they don't just... You know, this dude, obviously, and what's worse about it all is this dude has a kid on the way. He's he's broke and he needs like five grand. He wants like five grand in the bank or whatever it may be to to start off good in the right direction with his new child. All right. Uh, former uh, former marksman in the Air National Guard. Okay. He thought it was a real hitman page. Right? And he thought he was really planning to be a hitman. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Can't make this stuff up. So he starts contacting the company and applies. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. They laugh it off and all this and that. And they're kind of like, oh, ha, ha, ha. That's cool. That's funny. Well, he keeps coming at them. And he doesn't give up. And he keeps checking in on his resume. He keeps, you know, following up and, and giving that call and, like, showing really peak interest in doing this for, you know, five twenty five hundred bucks a hit, as I, I think he ended up saying, uh, on whoever they needed or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Um, but here's the deal, dude. Yeah, he's a moron. He is like, what kind of idiot thinks that's real for one and and two, you know, shame on that company to me. So what they ended up doing was this guy so, so adamantly contacted them to get this job. They call the FBI on him. Like, what about dry snitching, bro? Like, come on. You kidding me, dude? Just tell the guy it's fake, man. Quit, like, agging it on. Like, you guys are, like, what do-gooders, bro? Like, what kind of do-gooders are you out there? Like, really? Leave the guy alone. He's a freaking, obviously, a moron. But don't don't snitch him out to the FBI, for frick's sake. You're the one that made it look like you were hiring hitmen. You know? So then you're going to call up the FBI and snitch on the dude, and then they're going to totally entrap him, totally and completely entrap him, dude, 
just because he was willing to do it at that time for his newborn child doesn't mean the guy is going to go like out and, and, and constantly seek hitman jobs here. I mean, maybe I'm wrong in looking at this, but they totally entrap him and they get him to say, I'll do it for 2500 bucks a piece. They give him the target and he says, all right, I'll get it done, blah, blah, blah. And as soon as he agrees, they arrest him on the spot. Now, what kind of society do we live in where we just totally ruin a man's life like that for no reason? He has a child coming. He's trying to be noble and be a father. And you know what? What is he trying to do that the freaking government doesn't do every other day? I'll say it. The Clintons, anybody? <laughs> like, am I wrong? <laughs> like, bottom line, it's wrong as hell, dude. It's wrong as hell what they're doing to that kid. Now he's getting, like, they're giving him, like, so long in prison. What a total shit show, dude. Ah, Alejandro Flores. Okay, okay. I can see you on that. Now you're thinking like a real uh, theorist, sir. He says, I have a very hard time believing that a 21-year-old National Guardsman has access to the kinds of documents that this gentleman leaked. Very strange, doesn't add up. Interesting. Interesting. Huh. That's a good point. He was just an ignorant, stupid kid. He should have known, yes. I feel bad for him, though, nevertheless. I mean, he really screwed up. But, dude, they totally entrapped him. Like, how bored is the FBI, really? How bored are you? Freaking totally wrong what they did to that kid. I don't care. When I saw that, I thought, you that is just so wrong of them, dude. I, I don't know. I, I'm just the type of person, like, I have a prison being put up by me like down the road right now and i'm just like every time i drive by it it's just i just it's disgusting it's it's disgusting they're spending millions of dollars to to put up this prison to literally lock people away as i see it being built i see the trucks hauling in gravel the cement trucks rolling in you know all the equipment that is being used to build it, build it. You cannot tell me it's not profitable. Otherwise, they wouldn't be using such resources to build them. And that is wrong. To literally lock people up. Come on, man. What are we doing wrong in society, dude? You know? It's just sad. Just very sad. At the end of the day. So that was uh that was the two National Guardsmen stories anyway. Um then I just wanted to talk real quick and then we'll wrap it we'll we'll go into the we'll wrap up the news type stuff and we'll go into the Britain's secret war in Antarctica. 
That was one of the most interesting stories I've done in a while, y'all. Don't ask me how I stumbled on it. Honestly, I stumbled on it again online. I was just clicking around, and all of a sudden, I see Britain's secret war in Antarctica, and anything Antarctica is fire. Every time. People love Antarctica content. So I was like, okay, I'll click on this. Let's see where this takes me. And holy shit. Y'all, what a wild story. It's just awesome. They need to make a movie on this shit. Like, for real. So cool. Such a wild story. Don't know how I've never heard it. Honestly, I've never even seen any content on the subject at all on any platforms. So I'm definitely one of the early birds as far as this particular subject in in this particular battle and you know mission or whatever it may be and then the encounter with the polar men just made it that much better um great story great story but uh i wanted to talk to you guys about a video i watched right about a 1996 study now i'm not exactly sure how much uh, absolute fact it it uh, holds? I'm not exactly sure, but it's intriguing nonetheless. And and of course, it's gonna be. I couldn't find much on it, which tells me something. All right, which tells me something. Usually, if I can't find much on the subject at hand. And especially if I just find one debunked paper, then I'm like, hmm, that's a little sus. All right. So a study was done in 1996 on DNA. All right. And they did a study on how certain beings on this planet have so many strands of DNA. And it seems and it wasn't this wasn't just so just so it's clear, this wasn't the basis of the study that there's a correlation between the number of strands of DNA that a that a creature or being has has a direct correlation with the intelligence of said being. Okay? So, what they did is they used a bunch of more so like uh, monkeys, gorilla, chimpanzee, and they compared it all, right? So, they started out with the orangutan and I was kind of confused when he was talking I won't lie on exactly what it was meant by strands of DNA or like sets or pairs of strands of DNA I wasn't exact I'm no you know you know, I'm no biologist by any means, so just bear with me. But this is, you'll get the gist of the whole thing. So, supposedly the orangutan has 
three strands or three sets of DNA. They're considered pretty intelligent as far as the um, ape species go, but they're on the low end of the totem pole. The next is the gorilla, which has four. And the gorilla is more intelligent than the orangutan, but less intelligent than the chimpanzee, which has five. Now, the chimpanzee is said to be the smartest of all the ape species. Okay? Then, after, after five, the chimpanzee, humans all over the world, this is all over the world, they, they did all, all different uh, ethnicities and all different backgrounds. And they did... Every corner of the earth, from Asian to Russian to American to European to African, Australian, every race on earth had six strands of DNA. All right? That was the standard. Then they did Africa. And they found that on average, Africans had nine. So three more than the average. The entire country of Africa. had nine pretty much obviously you got your few stragglers but the majority now apparently this was a study that was oppressed and kept hidden and kept out of the mainstream but then if you take a look right at society right in general I would say that Africa is one of the more oppressed countries. And look at the way society keeps down and tries to, at least it's getting better, but it's just still not near good enough, but keeps down. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline the African, you know, black people in general, right? I mean, we could say that. Is this why? It makes you wonder. Are they threatened? Is that why they're keeping them so, or they're trying to? Over the years, they've tried to? 
because of the potential. Yeah, they're the most oppressed. Why? Does that make you wonder? Nine ether beings? Interesting thought. Interesting thought. They're threatened. Them being they. Who's they? Them. Right? Yes, there's so much hidden. There we go. So much hidden. It's insane. It's insane. So I'm also hearing, though, about uh, I'm hearing. So I'm hearing some initial word that the Biden's uh, bank accounts aren't checking out so clean. I don't know what y'all have heard. I don't know what y'all have heard, but I've heard they're not checking out so so righteous. Makes you wonder. I'm curious to see. And then you got the whole Trump indictment. I don't know. I don't know what to think of it all. Silly stuff. Silly stuff. So, all right, let's get to the the good old Britain secret war, y'all. One of the craziest articles I've ever come across. One of the things, I mean, it initially, in the first paragraph, in the introduction, it blew my mind. Now, I cannot say the word Z, so I have to say Germany. If you did not notice in my videos, I never once said the word Z. Who's trolling? Who's trolling? Let me get some of this in here. Royalty. Okay. What magic bar? Israelites are the Amuru or the Amorites in the historical record who came from North America to the Mediterranean. Now, it's not to say they didn't because I think that in my in my whole journey throughout all this, there was a lot more continental travel back in the day than we want to give any credit for. We don't even understand Fallen angels at work, pride of Judah.
Nice troll. There was no ancient Israel. See, yeah, you guys are talking. I'm not as good at the Bible stuff. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, man, I they need to free Rashad, dude. I like Rashad Jamal. Is the, are they trolls because they disagree with you, though? Because that, that's not really trolling. We keep open minds here. We got to hear everybody. At the end of the day, you, you shouldn't just think you know. You got to hear everybody. You might learn something, you know what I mean? Right, the yeah, there was a lot of go there was a lot going on. Yeah, we we let him chill. All right, all right. Yeah, just a few disagreements. That's what I think. That talks about Crater Earth and Walt Disney. Have you ever seen a YouTuber that talks about Crater Earth and Walt Disney? Not very often. No. Not very often, no. Yeah, well, religion's a tough one, guys. Religion's a tough one. People are very set in their ways when it comes to religion. What's going on? Yeah, creator, creator Earth, Creator Earth. Yeah, I've I've done. I need to look into it a little more. I've done. I've seen a little bit on it. Um, it's similar to Flat Earth, similar to Flat Earth. Um, and that could be. I could see Creator Earth. You know, you know me. I'm big on the. Uh, I'm big on this one. You guys, you already know this. I'm big on that right there. The Terra Infinita or whatever. I'm big on this map. But who's to say that isn't one massive crater, right? Who's to say it's not a massive crater on a massive planet? Similar to the ice ball theory, right? This is a good one. I don't really know who come up with this, but. Right here. 
that we are on a massive ice ball. And that each of these little sections is another earth or or you know i would say that this is actually a little like a kind of small maybe like i would say that each section on the ice ball like each one of these circles would be the entirety of say nos confundant like each one of these circles right here to me would be this entirety the great ice wall or the great dome i mean the firmament right here and each one of those is one of these with much abundant life and all kinds of wild stuff that you couldn't even imagine that we can't even fathom what's out there y'all we can't even fathom outside of our realm let alone like we think there's billions of planets and floating around and just yeah so great britain during world war 2 was said to actually going into the war great britain was allegedly and thought to be the most powerful country in the entire world. People had high expectations for Great Britain going into the war, right? They thought they were a force to be reckoned with. People were essentially, you know, in a way, terrified of them. And they thought that Great Britain would be the most powerful nation to uh, partake in the war. Um, Mainly and namely because of their navy, the Royal Navy. And they did have the largest navy by a long shot in the war. And they were responsible for taking out and, and combating the German U boats, their U boat portion of their navy the germans was insanely strong and they were a force in themselves uh german u-boats were faster uh they could run longer you name it they even kicked butt in world war one um but i mean could you imagine it the fighting on those things oh my god it'd be terrifying uh it'd be terrifying to fight at all in the navy the ocean I just does not sit right with me, especially after that whole uh oh the submarine that went down over there um why can't I think of it uh, been a long day uh I keep wanting to say Israeli, but that's because we're talking about it over here um. India or yeah 
it went down and dude ever since then i've been terrified of what's in the ocean because it was ripped in three pieces and everybody was plucked off board there wasn't a body left scary stuff scary stuff um so throughout the war though great britain was essentially tasked with taking on these u-boats of germany's and it was a task to be you know what i'm saying at the end of the day uh the U-boats tended to have the upper hand. The U-boats tended to have the upper hand. Uh, but nevertheless, oftentimes, the Royal Navy did end up beating them out, and they would capture the U-boats throughout the entirety of the war. Edomite? What's an Edomite? Oh, Lord. Now you got me looking shit up. Edomite. (sighs) The Edomites were the descendants of Esau, the firstborn son of Isaac, and the twin brother of Jacob in the womb. Esau and Jacob struggled together, and God told their mother, Rebekah, that they would become two nations with the older one serving the younger. I got to read a little bit more. Older one serving the younger. As an adult, Esau rashly sold his inheritance to Jacob for a bowl of red soup. Why would he do that? And he hated his brother afterwards. Esau became the father of the Edomites and Jacob became the father of the Israelites. And the two nations continued to struggle through most of their history. In the Bible, Seir, Bozrah, and Selah are references to Edom's land and capital. Selah is better known today as Petra. The name Edom comes from a Semitic word mean red, and the land south of the Dead Sea was given that name because of the red sandstone, so prominent in the topography. Esau, because of the soup for which he traded, his birthright became known as Edom, and later moved his family into the hill countryside of the same name. Hmm. Early history of the Edomites stating that they had kings reigning over them for long before Israel had a king. The religion of the Edomites was similar to that of other pagan societies. Who worship fertility gods, Esau's descendants eventually dominated the southern lands and made their living by agriculture and trade. One of the ancient trade routes, the King's Highway, passed through Edom when the Israelites requested permission to use their route. On their exodus, they were rejected by force. Because they were close relatives, the Israelites were forbidden to hate the Edomites. However, the Edomites regularly attacked Israel and many wars were fought as a result. King Saul fought against the Edomites and King David subjugated them established military garrisons in Edom. With control over the Edomite territory, Israel had access to the port of Eisengerber or Geber in the Red Sea, from which King Solomon sent out many expeditions. After the reign of Solomon, the Edomites revolted and had some freedom until they were subdued by the Assyrians. 
I ain't no subdued. No, I'm just kidding. It's all good. That's just a little quick lesson. Sorry, guys. Um. So yeah, along the lines, uh, along throughout the war, Great Britain kept capturing these U-boats, and they would interrogate their captains. And th- throughout, certain captains with high rankings would divulge information that led to the jur- or the Britons thinking that, huh, is it possible that the Germans have set up a base in Antarctica? For example, they had caught one uh, high-ranking captain with a submarine full or a U-boat full of mercury. And it said that Germany had somehow found out how to use mercury as a fuel source for sustained travel, for long, long-term travel. I'm not sure how, very intriguing, but mercury, yeah, very odd. Um, so there's that. Then, Le Monde, 1945. Here's some more here, hold on. How Britain gains their gained their knowledge. Six years of U-boat warfare lie behind us. You have fought like lions. That's the German admiral, Admiral Donitz, with 16 German U-boats sunk in the South Atlantic area between October 1942 and September 1944. And with most of those sunk engaged in covert activity, Britain had long since been aware of New Schwabenland. Now that's what they called Queen's Maudland. In Antarctica. So here, where's Google Earth? Boom. Queen Maudland. In Antarctica. So Queen Maudland. Right here. Boom. Queen Maud Mountains. Now these mountains were actually named something different at first. And we will get to that. Boom. So there is the Queen Maud Mountains. All right. Now, the majority of this territory here, I'm hoping you can see that. Should be able to. Let me see. Hold on here. Oh. Boom. I think you can see that. I don't know why I don't keep this open more often. It's always a lag, though. Okay, so yeah, you can see it. Boom. So this here is considered New Schwabenland. All of this territory is where the Germans had their their run. Right? And I also want to show you guys something. Here, Antarctica is just wild. Even on the this map, that's not necessarily. Well, that's odd. That's really intriguing. 
So, do you guys see this this somewhat anomaly right here? This character. Do you see what I see? Like, do you see, you know, the possible, you know, facial structure, if you will? Um, all that. That also could be, you know, nose, you know, mouth, forehead, possibly, and the like. And then you got this thing right here. You know how often I see writing on the ocean floor and stuff? Like, it looks like writing, fam. Like, look at that. And you got X. But anyhow, I just realized this. I want to show you guys something. Hold on. So, as I'm reading this this story, right, uh, on the secret war of Britain here as I'm reading this story from, and this is from, and you guys, I've generally found these, uh, Oh, what do you want to call them? The, the bibliotecas, the, 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 it says from Nexus magazine, but these, this is a, this is like, uh, yeah, the big, the biblioteca, of the Pleiades. So Biblioteca, which is Spanish for library, right? Uh, library of the Pleiades.net. This, this has generally been, and I've come across stories in this uh, website throughout my entire creating uh, journey. It's always been very intriguing and, and and seemingly accurate. I'm not going to say it's absolute, but they provide what seem to be substantial and solid evidence uh for the most part and you know, they're they're putting out examples, they're putting out they're dropping names of people who are a part like it seems very well put together and well written. Uh, and legit. So I want to show you guys something though right here. Check this out. Oh, it's going to play that game with me. Hold up. And it's going to be blurry because, well, unless maybe I can. Oh, yeah. Oh, right here. Ah. There we go. I'm signed in. See it now. Right here. Yeah, yeah. Okay, are you guys seeing this right here? So peep this, fam. This is weird, y'all. So this is weird, fam, right here. Watch this. So this in the story I read, in the story I read, this is Antarctica. And I had never seen it in such a way. Ever. I thought this map was very, very odd. The way it was structured and just the way it was set up. 
just want to download it. I'll do this. How about this? Boom. Image. This is wild right here, fam. This is wild. Add new source. Add new source. Browse. Wait till you see this shit. Bing. See, that's what sucks. It always distorts. We'll fit it to screen nevertheless. Look at this, y'all. You see this? Look at this. Boom. You see a correlation here, yeah, fam? You see a correlation here? If you could really get a clear picture of it, the damn thing's so dark. Here, let's see. And right here, you can see it's clear. Here, maybe this. No. Kinda, that's a little better. Sure. Well, I just blew it up. It's going to be set as my background. Let's see if it did it. No. Whatever. So, anyhow. Boom, boom. Look how close these two things look. Very similar. Got the little kick out over here. Little arm thing going on. And if you zoom in on that, you really see the face, y'all. And then this little belly thing kicking out. Huh. That sure doesn't look like the same thing I see when I see Antarctica. With the, like, this look, to me, this looks like a brain. It's got like a goofy looking dude. I wish I could show you guys a better picture. It's never, it just never. I don't know. It's like they don't want you to see a better picture of it though, for real. Because I've even tried to, I've really tried to uh, like clear this image up as best as I can. And it's just, it's impossible. Yeah, look how small they keep this thing. Why? Why? It's annoying. Here, let's see. Oh, that helps. There, that helps a little. Do you see how it looks like almost like a 
And then you got... I wish I could show you a little better, but I can't. It is what it is. I got to accept defeat. So what's crazy about that, though, y'all? What's crazy about that is when... uh, Remember that video I shared on my YouTube, y'all? Remember that video I shared about that dude that supposedly found these massive giant structures these these with their eye sockets gone, their eye sockets were empty uh, underwater, and they said it was near Antarctica? I mean, most likely, you know, you sit back and you go, that's most likely AI. But I, I promise you, in that picture... I actually uh, downloaded this app on my iPhone, and it was a pixel clear. It, like, cleared up the pixels. And I was going around the outskirts of this that picture, and I could, I'm telling you, I seen faces at the, at, the, at the outer edge of Antarctica under the water, and the faces had no freaking eye sockets. They had no eyeballs. They're just eye sockets. I don't, it doesn't mean it's true. I'm just saying. Is it, I just like to let my mind go away a little bit sometimes. But you never know, I guess. I mean, crazier shit's happened, you know? I've seen such crazy stuff online that I just don't discount anything anymore, man. Like, when you go through and you actually embrace and look at Google Earth, at all of the things that you see, you know, it's just insane. Once you actually, like, you open your mind to what is actually here, you know? Basically, you open your mind to the fact that the entirety of our land was once living beings, living and breathing beings. Uh, Once you realize that and realize just how big these beings are, you'll you'll never look at things the same. You'll never look at things the same, y'all. You'll look at, you'll see the, and it's not pareidolia. It's, it's, it's structured. It's, you can see it. It's just blatant. Like, I want to show you guys something real quick. Peep this. And I won't be stuck on Google Earth. I'm going to get back to my story, I promise. So peep this. Hold on here. So I was up here, dilly-dallying, because I was trying to follow the possible, you know, canal system that I thought could be possibly what is going on here. Um, And I was like, huh, that's weird. This is really, like, everything going on here just doesn't seem... To be an accident. It's just not. It's not nature to me. It's something more. Like look at this you guys. Look at this. Does that not look like some form of. Uh, possible. You know. If you zoom back out. It looks like some form of possible like. Writing fam. Like look. Does that not look like some form of writing possibly. Maybe another language. I don't know. You know what I mean? But anyway, you go up here, right? Peep this. Oops. And I promise I won't hang on it too long. For one, look at that. Look at that structural, like, face. 
nose, mouth, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I was like, huh, I'm going to go like this and look at it upside down and see what I see, right? Look at this. Right there. Face. We go down. There's some more. You can see, look at, it's like he's got a helmet on, and his eyes are closed. All right here, see that? And that's structured. Oh, I found a really good one the other day, right here. Where is it? I was actually going to even do a Google Earth video on this one. Uh, well, there's this guy right here. Look at this. This looks like almost like a freaking some sort of vehicle or something. Right there. Doesn't it? It looks like a Star Wars vehicle or something. See that shit? Like, it could go on for days, bro. I could do this all day. You know what I mean? That's how much shit's going on. Like, And it's all the once living beings, fam. I'm telling you. Like, look at this guy. Look at this guy. Looks like a gorilla or something, you know? It's nonstop, dude. And this is all of our land, fam. It's not a, it's not a coincidence. Where is it? I know I had a good one. And just look for anomalies that are not natural, man. You can tell when shit's random. You can tell when shit's random. You can tell when it's not. All right, anyway, back to the good old British secret war here. So, Great Britain had a leg up, basically, on everybody when it came to information obtained during the war because of all the U-boats. Well, when the war ended, finally, in May of 45, in May of 45, like May 2nd of 45, Germany surrendered in Europe. The war went on for another six months or so before Japan finally surrendered. But after that, it's September of 1945 when Japan, when the um, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, then the war ended, right? But after that, after the surrender of the Germans, there was over 100 to 150 U-boats missing. And the U-boat people, the U-boat soldiers were known to be rough, tough, in a a hard-nosed crowd. They didn't give up easily. So what a lot of them did was scatter. And Great Britain was disappointed because they got made to look like a fool by Germany in, like, ground combat. And same with France. France was said to be, France was supposed to have the largest ground army 
and the strongest ground army in the world, and they got they both got ran right over by Germany, and it was it was an embarrassment to them. Great Britain got highly like really embarrassed because Russia and the United States showed out on top at the end of the war. They showed out as the world's superpowers, not Great Britain. So Great Britain had a lot to make up, and they had all this intel on the war of a German base possibly being in Antarctica. But they didn't want to share this intelligence with the United States or Russia. They wanted the chance to go down there, and they wanted to be the ones to officially end the war by taking out a German base in Antarctica. That would be the propaganda they needed to redeem themselves for the war that they had fought. So, I'm going to read you a few of the knowledge of how they gained the knowledge. These are really cool. On uh, the 18th of July, 1945, newspapers around the world were focused their headlines on Antarctica. The New York Times stated Antarctic Haven reported, whilst others claimed that their uh, German leader had been at the South Pole. These headlines, which shook the world, were based in part on fact. The news reports and events happening in South America made the world sit up and take notice, not least the military forces of the United States and Great Britain. On the 10th of June, 1945, an unmarked German U-boat surrendered to the Argentina Navy. No further details were released. The whereabouts of at least 100 other U-boats were still a mystery. As renowned historian Basil Lydell Hart noted, during the early months of 1945, the size of the U-boat fleet was still increasing. In March, the U-boat fleet reached its peak strength of 463. So right before the end of the war, there was over 463 U-boats. The mystery deepened when, on the 10th of July, 1945, German U-530 surrendered at Mar de Plata, Argentina, and it only took eight days for the world to know. However, the U-boat mystery did not end with just U-530. Just over a month later, on the 17th of August, 19. 45 U-977 also surrendered at the Mar del Plata. So all the way over in Argentina. Why were they in that area? Even more curious was the fact that the same month U-465 was scuttled off Patagonia. Only three months after the Craig's Marines, which is what they called the U-boats fleet, Craig's Marines U-boat strength had peaked. The first of an unaccounted four U-boats appeared. Unfavorably, though, Historians tend to gloss over the enigma of the missing U-boats, and Hart also offers no explanation other than to explain the 362 known U-boats' fate. After Germany surrendered in May, 159 U-boats surrendered, but a further 203 were scuttled by their crew. That was the characteristic of U-boats' crews. They were stubborn, pride, and unshakable morale. With so many U-boats missing, a minimum of 40 were estimated missing at the end of the war, and with Britain still possessing one of the world's largest navies and strategically based territories in the Falklands and Antarctica, Britain was the most ideally placed of all the Allies to deal with a Nazi, a German haven. It would have been the best informed about the missing U-boats due to its southern hemisphere territories and an empire that, though crumbling, was still the largest the world had ever seen. Intelligence soon substantiated the suspicions with interrogations of captains of both blah, blah, blah. Captain Wilhelm Bernard. I know I've heard of him. Commanding the U-530 claimed that under Operation Valkyrie 2, his U-boat set off to Antarctica 
on the 13th of April, 1945. Under interrogation, he divulged just what the mission was involved. Supposedly, 16 crew members had landed on the Antarctic shore and deposited numerous boxes that were apparently documents and relics from the German Heinz Schaeffer, captain of the U-97, 977, also claimed that his U-boat had spirited relics away from the third. However, less plausible is the theory that the U-boat delivered the remains of, see, this is a conspiracy theory, of the German leader and his wife to the South Pole. And other theories that the Holy Grail and the Spear of Destiny were also taken to Antarctica, only cloud the truth. Now, the spear of destiny is the spear that speared Jesus Christ while on the cross. It's said in legend and lore that he who wields and holds the spear of destiny will not lose in war. Ever. Now, I want to say maybe it's said that maybe Alexander the Great held this spear for a while. Um, there was a couple of them that did. Now, The truth of that is So no, I take that back. Alexander the Great was before Christ. After I said that, I was like, wait a second. I think he was before Christ. So no, he never held the Spear of Destiny. He couldn't have. Okay. So I apologize for that misinformation. As soon as I said it, I was like, wait a second. But I know there were some great warriors in history that have held this spear. And actually, so somehow Germany actually came into possession of it. But the one who actually got it, who actually got a hold of it. And it's weird because there was, he headed a team because it was uh, General George Patton from the U.S., he, uh, George S. Patton, he, he screwed up. He ended up doing something wrong in the war and then kind of had to take a back seat for a while. But they let him head up this team of, of uh, gentlemen that were tasked with finding and retrieving all of the ancient art that the German army was confiscating throughout the entirety of the war. Like, you're talking the Ark of the Covenant type stuff, the Holy Grail, yes, the Spear of Destiny, etc. Um, well, supposedly, he headed up this team, and they actually did end up getting and finding the Spear of Destiny. They retrieved it. It came into Patton's possession. He wanted to keep it. The president wouldn't allow him to and said, you did a good job. It's mine. Give it to me or whatever. And what's weird about all that is who technically won the war after becoming in possession of the Spear of Destiny. 
That's a mind boggler. As soon as the United as soon as Germany lost the spear and the US gained it, the US wins the war. Wild. Wild. So I imagine the United States does. Interesting. Okay, so anyhow. The Spear of Destiny never ended up in Antarctica anyway. So what does help substantiate their story is a little-known fact, which Pravda reported on 16th of January 2003 that in 1983, Special Services seized a confidential letter Okay, from Captain Scheffler to wrote to Captain Bernard, don't tell everything that we did. Another mystery that has never been solved is the cargo of mercury contained inside U-859, which was sunk on the 23rd of September 1944 by the British Royal Navy submarine HMS Trenchant in the Strait of Malacca in the Java Sea. So far from home was such an anomalous cargo. A cargo that could be utilized as a fuel source. The survivors divulged to their British captors what they had been carrying, and the information would have definitely raised eyebrows when their find was relayed to the British intelligence. The case of U-859 was not an isolated one. Many German U-boats were active throughout the world. Many supplied the Japanese throughout the war. This is wild. And strangely, even after the German capitulation, in July 1945, an unmarked German U-boat, supposedly part of a secret convoy, delivered a new invention to the Japanese research and development units. The Japanese constructed and activated the device. It soared into the sky. However, inauspiciously, it burst into flames. It was never dared to be built again. Is that the bell? The D Glock. The British Navy, having already retrieved many of the U-boats that had surrendered in Norway, were well aware that there was many more in the fleet. Especially if the tale reported in the Latin American press about a German U-boat convoy totally annihilating the British destroyers that engaged the convoy is to believed, be believed. On May 2nd, 1945, L. Mercurio and Der Weg claimed that in the final naval battle of World War II between the Kriegsmarine and the Royal Navy had been won by the Kriegsmarine and that the story had been suppressed in the Western press for fear of stimulating German resistance. Only one destroyer was reputedly spared and the captain was reported as declaring May God help me, may I never encounter such a force again. 
Though the story had been impressed that the British government would never admit to the event, rumors of the naval battle are whispered amongst ex-servicemen, but alas, very little of the rumor is substantiated. The missing U-boat were part of the Antarctic jigsaw puzzle Britain had been putting together since first sent for Admiral Richter on the fuel-sponsored polar mission and with British Intelligence Network. So what's crazy that about all this is even before this mission that we're about to talk about or that we'll read about, even before this mission, they had already had a base, the Britons had already had a base established in Antarctica and Queen Maudland which was within 200 miles of the Germans' base. Crazy stuff. So how it all began. In 1938, Nazi Germany sent an expedition to Antarctica with a mission to investigate sites for a possible base, thank you for sharing, and to make formal claims in the name of the German uh, forces. To prepare them for their mission, they invited the great... This Now, this blew my mind. They invited the great polar explorer, Richard E. Byrd, to lecture them on what to expect. Byrd actually aided in the German exhibition to Antarctica. The following year, a month after hostilities had commenced in Europe, the Germans returned to Neuschwabenland, to finish what had been started, with many suggesting that a base was being constructed. Nine years later, Richard Byrd, who by now had become an admiral in the United States Navy, was sent to Antarctica with the largest task force ever assembled for a polar mission. In Admiral Byrd's own words, the mission codenamed High Jump was primarily of a military nature. Many claim that the task force was sent there to eradicate any secret German bases in Queen Maudland, which the Nazis had renamed New Schwabenland, and which had never been explored as profoundly as the rest of the Arctic. But, and the big but is the fact that Admiral Byrd spoke of flying objects that could fly from pole to pole at incredible speeds and with well-documented German activities before, during, and in the immediate aftermath of World War II. One can't help but wonder whether there's some truth to the German Antarctica myth, even so, could Operation High Jump and Bird's quotes have overshadowed the truth about British excursions in Antarctica by the way of misinformation, bringing attention to his mission and by doing so making sure that history only remembered one mysterious Antarctic mission. When the Antarctic mystery is mentioned, Britain is never given more than a footnote. The fact is surprising in itself, especially as British forces were active in Antarctica through the war and quite possibly took the initiative in dealing with the Antarctic German threat a whole 12 months before Operation High Jump was initiated. That's why Britain was pissed. Britain's activities on Antarctica, though less documented and more clandestine, are just as intriguing as the supposed much-vaunted Operation High Jump. Unfortunately for Britain, though, victorious in the war, it was bankrupted and humiliated by the two new superpowers. But Britain was in a position to regain some pride and surreptitiously upset in supposed allies with the final decisive battle against the surviving Germans, a battle that would never be recorded in the history books, a battle that would make its claims on the continent more legitimate, but more importantly, a battle that ended the war 
that it had compelled to wage. So they're saying this is actually the last battle, the last true battle of World War II that never got released to the public. On the 1st of February, 1946, a set of postage stamps was released with His Majesty's royal approval. The stamps caused international outrage and brought on a diplomatic crisis for a war-weary Great Britain. The offending eight postage stamps commemorated Britain's claim to the Falkland Islands dependencies, but one of them also depicted a territorial map of Antarctica that completely overlooked Chile's and most of Argentina's claims on the continent. Now, why would Britain, when the world economy was in such dire straits, bring about an international crisis over an area of the world that has appeared on the surface to be totally devoid of life? Sorry, guys. Okay. Uh, Many historians claim that Britain's post-war interest arose because with Britain in dire needs of materials, Antarctica was deemed as the solution. As the solution, the stamps were a way of making Britain's claim valid. That assertion, however, partially true does not explain why British forces, as part of Operation Taverland, were on the continent throughout and in the immediate aftermath of the war. Operation Taverland was activated as a measure of monitoring German activities on the Antarctic continent. The, Brit- the known British bases were mainly on the Antarctic Peninsula in places such as Port Lockroy and Hope Bay, and on the islands surrounding the peninsula such as the secret bases on Deception and Weinke Islands, Deception Island, that's weird. Though some were set up on the continent, the most secret of all has not and more likely will never be disclosed. The base at Maudheim, near the Mulig Hoffman mountain range in Queen Maudland, or alternatively, New Schwabenland, was so secret that it was never given a name or even a grid of reference on official maps. Could the stamps have been released to commemorate a successful mission in Queen Maudland? The facts and rumors, as well as a story dispensed by a wartime SAS officer, may shed some light on the many mysteries of the Antarctic arena, a front that has been kept secret for 60 years, and on a hostile encounter that will never be divulged to the public. Britain Britain has suppressed so many maritime and wartime events, in the name of national security that now, even 60 years on, many people are still none the wiser about the secrets of the war. From Rudolf Hess to the peace parties to even more sinister happenings, including Britain's knowledge of the German extermination camps, the Irish Republicans' armies, flirtation with Germany, the lesser-known secrets such as SS concentration camps on Britain's soil, on 
Alderney in the Channel Islands. Did not know that. With just a few listed, a passion or pattern of suppression is emerging, and on some, a total denial and normally forthcoming Antarctica is no sec- exception. So I was going to say, guys, here, check it out. Oh. Hold up. Check it out. If you guys want. That's the link to the whole thing if you want to follow along. I'm going to paste it a few times. Oh, that's just, yeah. If you guys want to follow along. Oh, I can't comment on the multi-stream. Pooh. Okay. Boom. Okay. So, this story is awesome. It'll go quick. I'm a fast reader, I think. So when Victory in Europe was announced, my I like reading it just handle. I just like reading it to you guys exact because it just shows a different light of it. Like my stories are cool and everything, and I like telling my stories, and I tell I like telling them the way I do. But I sometimes like to take lives for an opportunity that they are. And why not tell you and read you the story firsthand? Everything's there. There's nothing missing. It gives you all the raw details of what took place. And you get a actual, real, clear-cut image of what the story is. Yeah, isn't that crazy, y'all? What's up, Larry? I like reading your guys' conversations sometimes. Oh shit, I didn't realize. What are you talking about, ant bags? Calm down. 
cool. Good stuff, guys. I like the I like the friendly combo going on. You guys are good. Looks good, guys. Real not a science guy. Oh, they're super soldiers. Large soldiers fighting in Ukraine. An article, mail online. I'd like to see that. I'd like to see that. Appreciate it. No, the news is a joke. Uh, I've been trying to go live a little bit more, guys. Uh, I like to try. I'm gonna. I really want it to go to once a week. I really do. But it's been more like once every two so far. Um. I've just been really busy with taxes and all that stuff going on right now, but I'm going to start sharing more and get my videos back up. Um, for some reason, I always feel like I got to share a super long form video, but I want to start sharing a little bit more like three to five minute videos here and there too, just to, to keep it from being any gaps that are too long. Thank you, Larry. I appreciate it. I really do. I know I'm not perfect, but. I try to put out good stuff and I try to keep as much information in it as I can uh, while keeping it entertaining. I love you guys over there on Facebook too. I haven't forgot about you guys. I have not forgot about y'all. Hope y'all are doing well. Basis seven. I have not. Super soldiers. I've read a little bit about super soldiers and heard it. Uh, or watched this girl's YouTube about it. Wow, that's crazy. Thank you, Scott Pan. I really appreciate it. It means a lot, guys. I love you all, man. I have a good crew. Good crew of watchers. And followers and friends. For sure. Do you guys mind? Do you guys mind if I take a quick break? I'm just going to go grab a drink. And then I'm going to... I'm going to read this entire story. It's not super long. I know that seems long, but it's really not. It actually goes very quick. It's an awesome story. One of the coolest I've done in a long time. So give me a, give me a, just a, a, a five minute break to go grab a, a quick drink of water and, uh, here, uh, let me see if I can find something to play here for you guys. Let me see here. 
I'm just gonna play a few videos for you guys. I got some good stuff here. Let me see. Ah, this guy does a good job, man. No, I gotta be careful, though, because I don't want to get in trouble for any copyright BS. Okay, so this is really weird. This one's in Michigan, too. Here, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do like this. I'm going to go ahead and open up my cap cut. And then I'm going to stack these videos. So then you guys can watch them afterwards. Uh, I might not play that one just yet because I don't want to get any copyright shit going on. What's that one? Nope, that you already watched. Okay, I want to show that one. Oops. Oh, come on. Okay, I want to show this one. We'll do it like this. Actually, hold on. Max are just weird sometimes. Okay. There's that one. Hold on here. Bear with me. Um, I want to keep it enlightening here. This is a good one. Come on, baby. What's going on? There it goes. This one. Boom. No. Right there. Uh, there. Just to give me a quick break here. There's These are good videos, guys. You'll like them. This one. Bing. Oh, come on. I keep doing that. Well, probably because my cursor ain't down there. And then... Hold on here. Um, where's the other one I want to show? This one's weird. 
this one's good. That one. Okay, this one's funny. That's for a little humor at the end, I guess. And then, real quick. This was an awesome video. Probably some of the best UFO footage I've ever seen. This right here coming up, guys. Some of the best I've ever seen. Oh, come on. Run it. There we go. Bring it in, bring it in. Bing. And then, let me see here. I'll watch that one with you guys. This one's just hilarious. That should just about cover it.
Okay, you guys can see everything. Good. Bada bang. Bada boom. This is in Michigan, y'all. This is in Michigan.
I'm sorry, guys. It's not supposed to do that. It's supposed to play the mic internally. How frustrating. I don't know where you're at, but right here. It's supposed to play internally. It's not supposed to have to use my mic, but apparently it's using my mic. How
All right, fam. All right. Sorry, I, I couldn't help it. I threw that last one in there for my my humor. I couldn't help it. It was hilarious. Oh, that's one of the funniest videos I've probably ever seen. I'm not gonna lie. No, but that skateboarder, y'all, the skateboarder, that was myself. I was just actually pretty proud of myself. Uh, my 35, not that 35's old, but first time I ever skateboarded and I freaking dropped in on that. That was challenging. It was a lot of fun. <clears throat> Turn frogs, what? You kidding me? What do y'all think though of that skinwalker video, fam? Yeah, dude, I love longboarding, dude. I can pretty much shred pretty good on a longboard. And I had always wanted one. Uh so I bought one. That's a Sector 9 longboard. And that was the first time I'd ever even tried to drop in like that. And, dude, it was like, you seen the first time I straight biffed it. <clears throat> I kind of ate shit the first round, but. I had to spread my stance and lean further forward. I'm definitely going to be messing around at that skate park a little more here in the near future. That took a lot, dude. I was like, oh, man. It's a lot. It's not near as gnarly as it like was, though. I was pumped. All right, so you guys, I had to go back to the uh, Skinwalker, though, fam. Isn't that gnarly, y'all? The Skinwalker? Isn't that creepy as shit, yo? He's like, what the frick? Dude, I would love to actually see something like that in real life. And that looks legit. Like, that's the first one I've seen in a long time that looks, like, hella legit. <laughs> they're, they're all stoked about it. Yeah, that's wild, though, right? Well, it's like a Wendigo. It's like a Wendigo. Right? I know. I know it. And actually, dude, uh, 
me and the lady went out shooting last week. And I got the uh I got my new newer AR build all tricked out and like got a longer barreled one and then put a high powered scope on it and me and her both she actually probably shot better than I did. She shot really well. But we were drilling them at 500 yards. Probably about 1 for 3 on a bison or like a ram. 500 yards, dude. I had to put it up about four foot high and then a foot to the left. And I was thwapping them at about 500 yards. That was that felt pretty cool. I've never done that before. Uh, <clears throat> and that's a poke for those of you that don't know. That's a long ways. Um... Nope, never heard about the the frog thing. Nope. Huh. I believe it. I I believe what you just said up top. What? Are you serious, y'all? That's wild, though. I believe that shit. Like, facts, right? I believe that. Never knew that, but I believe it. I've wondered about that. I've wondered the whole time. I'm not going to say, like, it's for sure, for sure, but, like, I've wondered at the whole time whether or not there's a little something going on there. Um, so let's get back to the story, guys. Wendigo, Wendigo was once a, Wendigos were once humans that were, I want to say it can be like a hereditary thing, but I'm pretty sure it's usually generally humans that had to resort to cannibalism or did resort to cannibalism. And once they did, they got like a disease that turned them into a Wendigo and it makes them continuously fiend for human flesh.
Yeah, dude, Wendigos are awesome. It's a, it's a definitely a good rabbit hole. Also, okay. I mean, there's different theories, but... Yeah, they can be done by witch doctors or whatever. I haven't done a Wendigo story in a long time, and I actually have a really good one in my back pocket. Their greed or wickedness. Oh, Alex Jones. So which one was never human then? Is it the skinwalker? I thought they were probably the skinwalker. I mean, I've always kind of generalized them as the same kind of thing, but they're not exactly, I guess. Let's Google it. Let's see what comes up as the pictures. I'm curious now. Like Skinwalker's like Skinwalker Ranch. Skinwalker. Boom. Images. See Skinwalker. Boom. They come up as the same thing. They always have. Both horned beasts. Skinwalker, horned beasts. I've never thought they had horns. You know, see some werewolf-like creatures. There you go. A little different. Wendigo, Skinwalker. But they're close. They're close to each other. I thought Wendigos had more to do with, like, cannibalism. And the feasting on human flesh. 
I'm seeing uh, YouTube right now. And it's funny because have you guys ever, I, I don't know if I ever talked about this. What? Uh, okay, skinwalkers can shape shift, not the Wendigo. Okay. Cool. You guys, a lot of times you guys know just as much as I do on the subject, so I, I take it from everybody. I like hearing what you guys have to say, too. Um, Because it's easy to get the two mixed up. It really is. Uh, What else was I going to say? So, yeah, both Wendigos and Skinwalkers also mimic voices, right? If I'm correct. I always kind of pictured a skinwalker more like one of these things. Like this. Creepy looking little like hornless. I don't think either of them have horns, quite frankly. I think that they carry deer. And oftentimes the horns look like they're over their head by the way they carry them. So people just associated them have his horns because they'd see him on the wild with deer on their shoulders. Or like this could be like a, a skinwalker. Nasty little buggers like this. Ugh. I've told some good skinwalker stories. It's why you see three screens? I need to figure that out, I guess. It's a Mac thing. Okay. Chimerizing, crossing a species.
Yeah. Yeah, they tend to be, yes, the Skinwalker's last victim. Yeah, it's just because. Here. It's because I'm on display capture. Here, I'll help you. That should help. So, dude, I'll check. I'm going to start reading this real quick. How long have we been on? Long live, long live. So when victory in Europe was announced, my unit was rescued in a cave in former Yugoslavia. This is the story this guy told about the Britain secret war. When victory in Europe was announced, my unit was rescued in a cave in former Yugoslavia. I was thankful that the war had finally ended, though which... With war still being waged in the Pacific and tensions rising in Palestine, we were warned that our war could continue. Thankfully, I was spared from participating in the war against Japan, but alas, I was posted to Palestine where the influx of the Jewish allied with a rise in Zionist terrorism, which causing anguish not only for the inhabitants of the Palestine, but also to the British forces that were sent there to stem the influx and quell uprisings. I was warned that my posting in Palestine would could continue indefinitely. I saw many of my fellow soldiers die. Thankfully, I received an order at the beginning of October 1945 to report to my commanding officer. As I had been selected for a mission so secret that none of my senior officers knew why I had been requested to go to Gibraltar. I was not told why I had to report, but I went, hopeful that I would soon be discharged into Sibby Street. How wrong I was. I would be spending another Christmas on a war footing. Once I arrived in Gibraltar, I was secreted away by a major that and informed that I would be sent to the Falkland Islands, depending for dependencies for further briefing and that I would be joined by several other soldiers from the other elite British forces. The mystery thickened and we were flown to the Falkland Islands under complete silence. We were ordered to not even speculate about why we had been selected and where we were going. Upon reaching the desolate and forbidding Falkland Islands, we were introduced to the officer who was leading the expedition and a Norwegian who had served in the Norwegian resistance, an expert in winter warfare, who was going to be training us for the mission that we had no inkling about. The Falklands is now considered the best-kept secret in the British Army, and being posted there normally meant in easy few years, however, things were different in the 1940s. <clears throat> Even more so for those who had been selected with me. We were forced to undertake a grueling month's training where we were prepared for cold weather warfare. From being plunged into the icy Atlantic to facing the elements in a tent on South Georgia. The training was arduous and there seemed to be little sense in the madness that we were forced to undertake. 
However, after a month's training, we were briefed by a major and a scientist. And as the mission relayed to us, we as the mission was relayed to us, we all realized that there would be little chance of us all returning, especially if suspicions proved correct. We were informed that we were to investigate anomalous activities around the Mulig Hoffman Mountains from a British base in Mautheim, Antarctica. So we were told was Britain's Antarctica. So we were told was Britain's Britain's secret war. We were then briefed on British activities in the South Pole during the war. We sat intrigued as to what was being divulged. None of us had heard anything so fascinating or frightening. It was not common knowledge that the Germans had been to Antarctica in 1938 and in 1939, and even less known was the fact that the Britons began to set up secret bases around Antarctica in response. The one we were to visit was Mautheim, was the biggest and most important as well as the most clandestine Antarctic base of them all. The reason for its importance was the fact that it was within 200 miles of supposedly where the Germans had built their Antarctic base. We sat there stunned, but still the mystery deepened. We were told about German activity in the southern ocean and around Antarctica. We were also informed that an inestimable number of U-boats were missing and unaccounted for, but worse, some of those that had surrendered months after the war had ended fueled even more speculation. British forces had captured three of the biggest names in the German party, Hess, Himmler, and Donitz. And with their captures, Britain was given information that was not going to be shared with Russia or the United States. That information compelled Britain to act alone, and we were spearheading that operation. We were told in no specific terms what was expected of us and what Britain expected us to find on Antarctica. Britain had more than a strong suspicion that the Germans had built a secret base and had spirited many of the unaccounted Germans away from the turmoil in Europe. Still more and more revelations were forthcoming. The summer before, we were told, the original scientists and commandos had found an ancient tunnel. Under the orders, the force went through the tunnel, but only two returned before the Antarctic winter set in. During the winter months, the two survivors made absurd claims over the radio. Polar men, ancient tunnels, and Germans. Radio contact was finally lost in July 1945 and ominously for our mission. Going into the unknown, the latest broadcast brought all of us further anxiety as we listened to the fear in the voice. The polar men have found us, was screamed before contact was lost. After the radio broadcast was played, we were then given a rousing speech from the major who would be leading the expedition to investigate what had happened. We are going to go to the base at Mautheim, find the tunnel, investigate the enigma of the polar men and the Germans, and do what we can to make sure the German threat is destroyed. When asked for questions, we all had so many, and thankfully the answers were honest and direct. We were informed that evasive action was being taken because Britain was well aware of U.S. and USSR intentions in mounting their own expeditions, and Britain did not want to risk the chance that the U.S. or the Soviet Union, would discover the base and gain further German technology. Both countries had a technological advantage over Britain because of the scientists. Equipment and research both countries had recovered. Nevertheless, Britain wanted to be the nation to destroy the menace because Britain viewed Antarctica as under the British Empire's jurisdiction, and if the Germans 
were there, it was their duty and their desire to eradicate them and thus deny both the USA and the Soviets the propaganda value of fighting the last battle of the World War II. We were flown to the pre-designated drop-off point, which was 20 miles from the Mauldheim base. Snow tractors had already been dispatched and were awaiting our arrival. After parachuting into the icy wilderness, full of fear and trepidation, we reached the snow tractors, and from that moment on, we were on a war footing. We had to operate under complete radio silence. We were alone, with no backup and no chance of retreat, even if our worst fears were confirmed. We approached the base, weary of what was awaiting us. But when we got there, the base appeared devoid of life, a ghost town. Instantly, our suspicions were roused, but just like the previous campaigns I had fought during the war, we had a job to do, and so our our personal fears could not shroud our judgment. As we split up to search the base, a tripwire was detonated and a siren sounded, destroying the silence and startling the whole force. A shout was soon heard, demanding us to identify ourselves, but the voice could not be targeted. With our guns raised, the Major introduced us to the voice, and then thankfully the voice was given a body. The voice belonged to a lone survivor, and what he divulged made us more anxious and had us wishing that there were more troops amongst our ranks. The lone survivor claimed that in Bunker 1 was the other survivor from the tunnel trip, along with one of the mysterious polar men we had heard on the recorded broadcast. Despite obstructions and objections from the survivor, Bunker 1 was ordered opened. The survivor had to be held back in his fear and anguish panicked us instantly, and none of us wanted to be the one to enter that bunker. Fortunately, I was not selected to enter. That honor was bestowed on the youngest member of our unit. He proceeded inside, hesitated slightly as he struggled with the door. Once inside, a silence descended across the base, followed by moments later, two gunshots. The door was opened and the polar man dashed to freedom. None of us was expecting what we saw. And the polar man had fled into the surrounding terrain so quickly that only a few token shots were fired. Out of fear and awe at what we had seen, we all decided to go into that bunker. And go in we did, and two bodies we found. The soldier who had pulled the short straw was found with his throat ripped out. And more heinous, the survivor had been stripped to the bones. What we had witnessed demanded answers. And with our object, abject anger at seeing one of our unit die within hours of our landing, on the continent our anger was taken out on the lone survivor who had warned us against opening that bunker. The whole unit listened categorically to the Major's questions, but it was the answers that were to provoke the most intrigue. The first question that needed answering was just what had happened to the other survivor and how had we become trapped in the bunker with that polar man. However, the lone survivor preferred to start from the beginning, from when they had first found the tunnel. Whilst he narrated what had happened, the scientist who had accompanied us scribbled down everything he told. It transpired that at the area near the tunnel was one of Antarctica's unique dry valleys, and that was how they managed to find the tunnel with such ease. Every one of the 30 personnel at the Mauldheim base was ordered to investigate and, if possible, 
find out exactly where that tunnel led. They followed the tunnel for miles and eventually they came to a vast underground cavern. It was abnormally warm. Some of the scientists believed that it was warm geothermally. In the huge cavern were underground lakes. However, the mystery deepened as the cavern was lit artificially. The cavern proved to be so extensive that they had to split up and that was when the real discoveries were made. The Germans had constructed a huge base in the caverns and he had even built docks for the U-boats and one was identified supposedly. Still, the deeper they traveled, the more strange visions they were greeted with. The survivor reported that hangars for strange planes and excavations galore had been documented. However, their presence had not gone unnoticed. The two survivors at Mauheim base witnessed their comrades get captured and began executing them one by one. After witnessing only six, they fled the tunnel, lest they be caught with the aim to block up the tunnel. Though it was too late, the polar men were coming, claimed the survivor. With enemy forces hot on their tail, they had no choice but to try to get back to the base so they could inform and warn their superiors about what they had uncovered. They managed to get back to the base, but with winter approaching and little chance of rescue, they believed it was their duty to make sure the secret German base was reported, and so they split up, each taking a wireless and waiting in separate bunkers. One of the survivors tempted one of the polar men into the bunker in hopes that they'd believe only one had survived. The plan worked, but to the detriment of his life and to the radio. Unfortunately, the brave soul in Bunker 1 had the only fully operational wireless radio, which was destroyed in the chaos. The other survivor had no option but to sit, wait, and try to avoid going stir-crazy. The mystery of who or what the polar men were was explained. Not satisfactorily, but explained nonetheless as a product of German science. And the enigma of how the Germans were getting power was also unexplained, albeit not in scientific terms. The power that the Germans were utilizing was by volcanic activity, which gave them heat from steam and also helped produce electricity. But the Germans had also mastered an unknown energy source because the survivor claimed, After what I witnessed, the amount of electricity needed is more than could be produced, in my opinion, by steam. The scientist among the party dismissed most of what he divulged and rebuked the survivor for his lack of scientific education and implied that his revelations could not possibly be true. Though the scientist dismissed the survivor's claims, the major didn't. He wanted to know more about the enemy that they were facing. But more fundamentally, just what the polar man was going to do next, the answer from the survivor did nothing to comfort us and provoked the scientist to announce that the survivor was certifiable. Disconcerted is too weak a word to describe how we felt when the survivor replied to the major's questions about the skate polar man's intentions. He will wait, watch, and wonder just how different we taste. On hearing that, the Major issued the battle cry and guard duty was set up whilst the Major and the scientist discussed, in private, just what was next, even though it was obvious to the rest of us. The next morning, we were ordered to investigate the tunnel, and for the next 48 hours, we made our way steadily to the Dry Valley and the supposed ancient tunnel. Upon arriving at the Dry Valley, we were all amazed, for we had been told 
that Antarctica was completely icebound, and yet here we were in a valley that reminded me of being back in the North African Sahara. We were forbidden from even approaching the tunnel until the temporary base camp had been erected, and whilst the men constructed the base, the scientists and the major investigated the tunnel. After a few hours, they returned to the now-complete camp to chronicle what they had seen and what our next plan of action was. The tunnel was not an ancient passageway at all, claimed the scientist, although the major added that the walls were made of smooth granite and looked infinite. We were informed that we would be able to make our own minds up after we had rested for the night. Sleeping in Antarctica during the summer months was difficult, the perpetual daylight covering the continent, but that night, sleep was even more difficult to come by with all the thoughts running through our minds about what we would find and just when or where we would encounter the polar men again. <coughs> just before we were assigned our times for guard duty, we were informed that we would be following the tunnel all the way to the German leader if need be. That night our fears were confirmed as the polar men did indeed return. However, this time no more casualties occurred on our side. But the polar man was slain and as he was lured to camp. The scientists decided the polar man was human, but it seemed had been able to produce more hair and withstand the cold far more effectively. The corpse, after a brief post-mortem, was stored in a body bag, and with the cold could be preserved until a more meticulous dissection could occur. The next morning it was decided that two would remain at the tunnel's entrance with the corpse, the tractors, the equipment, but more fundamentally the radio. The major leading the expedition needed the Norwegian for his expertise and also the scientist, the survivor too, was critical for the mission's success. The rest of us wanted to join them. I was selected with the other jubilant four who were undertaking one of the most exciting and possibly one of the most important expeditions in human history. The two who were kept behind were disappointed, but their roles were just as vital as the mission's success as the nine would be traversing into the unknown. As the nine of us prepared to enter the tunnel, we made sure that we took enough ammunition and explosives to wage a small war and hopefully destroy the base in its entirety. For that was our mission, not to salvage, but to destroy. We walked into the darkness and thankfully for four hours of walking began to see the light in the far distance. However, the light was still another hour away as each of us battled with our minds questions of what we would uncover. We inched forward. Eventually we reached the vast cavern that was artificially lit. We were then led to where the survivors had witnessed the executions. The survivors stated it was as covert as one could possibly have wished for. As we looked over the entire cavern network, we were overwhelmed by the numbers of personnel scurrying about like ants, but what was impressive was the huge constructions that were being built. From what we were witnessing, the Germans, it appeared, had been on Antarctica a long time. The scientists jotted down everything he could, drew diagrams, and took rock samples, as was the odd, as well as the odd photograph. The major, on the other hand, was more interested in how the base was to be destroyed without being caught by the Germans present. After two days of reconnaissance, a scientist and major decided on targets for the mines. The mines were to be placed all around the roof of the cavern with other targets on the to-do list such as the generator and the petrol dumps and, if possible, and attainable, the ammunition dumps. Throughout the day, mines were laid and photos were taken with the odds of not being detected looking good a hostage was taken, as well as proof of the German base. The polar men and photographs of new and quite advanced German technology. 
When the mission to place the mines that would destroy the base had been accomplished as well as substantial proof of base gathered, we headed towards the tunnel, but alas, we were spotted, and more of the polar men and a troop of Germans gave chase. Upon reaching the tunnel, we needed to put an obstacle in the way to slow down our enemy enough for long enough to detonate the mines. Some mines were placed at the entrance tunnel, and when the explosives were heard, we were hopeful that not just the base had been comprehensively destroyed, but so too the enemy's forces giving chase. We were wrong. The mines did indeed close the tunnel, but for those Germans and Polar men behind, the chase was still on. In a fighting retreat, only three of us of the ten escaped the tunnel, the Norwegian scientists and myself. The rest had fallen gallantly in making sure that some of the party survived. Upon reaching the safety of the dry valley, enough mines were laid to close the tunnel permanently. After the mines were detonated, there was no evidence of a tunnel ever existing. Suspiciously, very little of the evidence on Earth remained, whether it had been lost accidentally or purposely. It mattered little because the scientists had already made this and ultimately the mission's own conclusions. The camp was disbanded and we returned to the Mautheim base where we were evacuated and flown back to safety of the Falkland Islands dependencies. Upon reaching South Georgia, we were issued with a directive that we were forbidden to reveal what, he had, reveal what we had seen, heard, or encountered. The tunnel was explained away as nothing more than a freak of nature. Glacial erosion was the scientific term. The polar men were nothing more than unkempt soldiers that had gone crazy. The fact that they were German was never submitted into the report, and any notion of the mission going public was firmly rebuted. The mission would never be made official, though certain elements of the mission were to be leaked to the Russian and the Americans. So my last Christmas of World War II was spent on the Antarctic continent in 1945, fighting the same Germans that I had fought against every Christmas since 1940. What was worse was the fact that the expedition was never given any recognition nor the soldiers any credit. Instead, the British survivors were demobbed from the forces. Whilst the scientist and his report would soon disappear, the mission never to be known about except by the select few. That mission never made the history books, but the return mission in February 1950, conducted by a joint British-Swedish-Norwegian expedition, lasted till 1952 did. The main purpose of the expedition was to verify and investigate some of the findings of the 1938 and 39 German expeditions to New Schwabenland. Five years after our mission, Mautheim and New Schwabenland were revisited, and that expedition had everything to do with the New Schwabenland campaign, but more importantly, with what we had destroyed for the intermediate years between the missions. The Royal Air Force continuously flew flights over the New Schwabenland. Their extensive flight was there, searching for suitable places to set up base camp. However, one can't help but wonder... Crazy. Crazy, crazy. So the Germans made the polar men. That's wild. That's wild. The Germans actually made the polar men. Freaky stuff, huh? Freaky stuff. So basically they were just like Bigfoots, like half hybrid, half ape. Right? And then they had found another source of heat and electricity. That was wild. So, after reading all that, one can't help but wonder. Remember how they said that Admiral Byrd had said that 
there was German insignia on the saucers that he had battled on Operation High Jump. What if some of the Germans that were down there after the war had ran into some of the inner earth beings and said inner earth beings actually gave them the opportunity to come to the good side, give up the brainwash tactics and we'll let you live amongst us, but you must live in our ways. Always make, it always makes me wonder if maybe they didn't run into the inner earth beings and get salvation of some sort. Just the few. Just the few that has escaped to uh, Antarctica. That's what I was thinking too. More than one entrance to the base. Plus, if they had access to these lakes and stuff, they had been coming from under the ocean to get to them. So just because they collapsed the tunnel doesn't mean that a few of them didn't hop in a U-boat and go underwater. Crazy stuff though. Crazy stuff. Gotta love it, guys. Gotta love it. Got more good content coming your way, so make sure you stay tuned, fam. It's been fun. This is a long live. I appreciate you all hanging with me. I'm going to try to make them earlier from now on. More like, you know, 10, 11 o'clock, and then go to like 2. Not so late. But I do love my fellow night owls. So, thanks for stopping by. Thanks for chatting. You guys kept it clean tonight. Kept it kosher and good. So, thank you for that. Stay in love, stay in light, be kind to others. Manifest greatness. Level up. Drink water. And love thyself. I am out. Thank you, Larry Sharp.